0: Welcome to Ethereal Underground. This is episode 16, and I'm your host, TNT. Well, it's time for another episode. Been super busy, like the other episodes I mentioned, and I'm sure you have as well. You know, these are interesting times. The last episode, I talked about how time in reality is is so different. In my case, growing up in the 70s, high school in the 80s, as I began my life and the time that I had, the the framework and, and the pace of society was much different. As explained in the previous episode, technologies, the advent of cell phones The home computer with emails, text messaging, the internet made an individual more accessible. So as soon as someone becomes more accessible, then it's harder to escape from being contacted. So today, the speed of contact, the reply, the return is expected you know, pretty quick, within minutes, for sure within an hour or two. And in the 70s and 80s, not to repeat the last episode, but you had half a day, maybe three days, especially if it was mail, for responses. So that gave you more free time. Or if it's not free time, it gave you more as far as your schedule to respond and anticipate or behave in a manner that's expected of you. So if you had a customer and the customer expects some type of action or response you know, in a three-day period and you're within that time limit, no big deal. Today, can you imagine going three days without responding to a customer? a client that you might have, they'd wonder what happened. So that's what I mean as far as time being sped up, and that goes even for children. Growing up in the 80s, for example, when I got to be of driving age, you had uh, events. You might tell your parents you're spending the night at someone's house or you have a ball game or some event, and they wanted you, you know, back by, let's say, midnight, no no later than 1230 in in the morning. Well, between when you left, say you ate dinner with your, your parents and then you headed out, there was really no way for them to reach you. Unless you're at someone's house and they knew the phone number. But if you're out and about, they just there's no contact until maybe they're still up at 1230. They listen for the door to open or the sound of the car coming in the driveway. They glance over and you're within that time limit. But say you left at 6 p.m., get back at 1230. That, there was no communication between you and your parents. How would they get a hold of you in the 80s? That was, that was my experience. So you... That, uh, psychologically, that gives you some freedom, right? But nowadays, uh, there can be a text message or a phone call where you need to respond. Or they have the, these apps where if it's a family plan, you can locate the other family's phone through GPS location. So a parent might be able to look on their screen, GPS location, and see where your phone is, which most likely would be where you are. So they can see, oh, yep, they're over at Timmy's house, or yep, they're at the movie theater, like they said they were going to be, or they're at the ice skating rink. That option, that technology didn't exist in the 80s. So I, I grew up with a very different framework. There was more of a, trusting relationship growing up, in my case in the 80s, because the technology was not available, the parents had to trust the children, teenagers, the children or teenagers over years and years had to gain the trust of the parents. And usually the as the trust grew, you know, then the parents would let more of a leash out and and give you more Responsibilities were more freedoms because they had the confidence that you would keep your end of the bargain. Today, I don't think that the dynamics of the relationship of children or teenagers and building that trust with the parents and I want you home by twelve thirty. They show up by twelve thirty. The parents are trusting that you're at the movies, like you said. Doesn't that really go out the window today when? A GPS locator can show the parents where you are or they can text or phone and you'd better answer because that device, the smartphone, is on your body. It's on your person. So I'm very grateful I grew up in the 70s and 80s, 70s as a kid, 80s, high school, and then college years. I would not want to grow up now or 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's definitely a different reality and it's a different social dynamic that the kids have today, teenagers have today versus when I grew up. But the reality, how society behaves, how the economy behaves, governments, institutions, I and mean, that would include academia, school they've changed, obviously, since the 70s and 80s. Times have changed. But have you ever thought to wonder what causes the change? This might be a corny illustration. I'm going to use it anyway. (laughs) I I like the illustration. But for years, going back in the 80s, because that's my reference in my teenage and early, early adolescence, 1980s, I always wondered, how was it that sunglasses, male or female, sunglasses in... To a certain extent, eyeglasses, but sunglasses was more frequent. There'd be a, a period where a certain style, brand, color, shape of sunglasses seemed to be in, very popular. Then it would phase out, and a new style, color, or brand would be the in sunglasses. This is I don't know if it's like that now, but I know in the 80s, I really picked up on that. And I always thought, what's going on here? I could never put my finger on it. Who or what classifies these sunglasses were hip, vogue. They were very popular last year and the year before. But most people wouldn't be caught dead wearing them now. You have to wear this kind of sunglasses. Shape, color, or brand this year, maybe spilling into next year. I'm like, who who made that call? Who made that decision? You know, the sunglasses you had the last two years, they're still in good shape. You didn't sit on them, you didn't break them, they didn't overheat and warp because they're on the dashboard of a vehicle. But I noticed something as simple as sunglasses and And to a certain extent, eyeglasses. Look look in the, you can tell an 80s movie. We can all tell a 1980s era movie, right? Because they had the big glasses, Sally, Jesse Raphael, (laughs) Harry Carey, the Chicago Cubs. The the big glasses that were in vogue or fashion back then really dates that movie, that that time period. What forces make those decisions? What's in, in clothing or Shoes, any type of garment, and in, in what isn't. And I thought to myself, that's it's either unseen forces or it's a high-level collaboration because I saw so many people that would buy into that. They, they would get the new pair of sunglasses to be in fashion or eyeglasses to be in fashion get rid of a certain sweater or type of blue jean because it's not in fashion anymore, even though it's still in good shape. The sweater, the, the jeans could easily have three, four or five more years of life left in it, but they get stored away because they're not in anymore. So there's some type of hidden peer pressure and there's marketing that gets the majority to acquiesce to what is. And as a teenager, I'm like, this is crazy. I, who or whatever, it was, as a teenager, let's say 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, the, that time period of my life, I, I th- thought, well, it's, it's these fashion groups, say, out of New York. And, and marketing, and they're trying to increase sales of sunglasses, so they have the ability to, to leverage, yeah, you don't wanna wear these sunglasses anymore, buy these new one, th- this new style. So I thought, well, okay, this is a source of revenue. I don't know if it's several modeling agencies or marketing agencies working in concert with one another, but they seem to be successful in, in their agenda, but I always resented that. I, I thought I'm not going to let some Yahoo or some firm out of New York tell me to get rid of sunglasses that are perfectly fine. They're functioning. There's nothing wrong with them and discard them to get a new style. Screw that. Who would, who are they to to peer pressure or influence me? I'll get, I'll get a replacement if I break them or they fall off in a lake and I can't, get them because the lake's too deep and the water's too murky, yeah, then I buy a new pair. But as long as I have a pair that's functioning, I'm not going to acquiesce and buy a new pair out of pressure. Well, I realized that that type of thinking, the personality that started to really become manifest 17, 18, 19, 20 for me, that I became rarer and rarer, that all what I would turn back then, I didn't know any better, what I called friends. I look back, they were more associates than friends, but I thought they were friends. back to friends and co-workers, I realized very few thought like I did. And most of them would have gotten rid of that pair of jeans because it's not in anymore and got, gotten a different pair of sunglasses or eyeglasses, or they wouldn't wear that sweater. Whatever, you, you get the point. Well, going back a little bit earlier in the 70s, and I'm getting to a point, so it's not like I'm reminiscing who who wants, who wants, cares about my life and background. I, I don't want to bore the listening audience, but in the 70s growing up, grade school and up, up to junior high, but let, let's say grade schools, 6 to 12, 13, somewhere around there. I always noticed that the kids in the neighborhood that I always by default was kind of the leader of the group. I, I would get the kids together to play flag or touch football, wiffle ball, kickball, hide and go seek, whatever it might be, or let's go bicycle riding. Because if I didn't, everyone like would be shrugging their shoulders. I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And no one made no one did anything until I came along and said, hey. Let's do this. Let's make two teams. Jimmy, you're over there. Stacy, you're over there. We'll alternate boy, girl, boy, girl. We'll we'll either be uh, red flag, blue flag, or you guys go first. We'll be in the outfield if it's kickball or wiffle ball. At, to, to get activities going in the subdivision all through the 70s. So there weren't many kids, like my personality, where there was, say, three of us. And then we're competing with each other, where all three of us have ideas. One says flag football, the other says kickball, the other says hide and go seek. And then we're jockeying for position, trying to win the other kids and some type of democratic vote as to, does everyone want to do hide and go seek versus kickball versus flag football? I never had two other versions of me and this is you know this would be large subdivisions where there's 30 to 50 kids within walking distance and reasonable in, in that age group Lar- that's large large community 30 40 kids and obviously some weren't feeling well or they had homework they weren't there so out of the 30 40 kids you always had at least 20 available to play something. Two teams of 10. Let's say I never had competition. I never had another kid my age or near my age that was competing for organizing the group. I don't want to necessarily mean being the leader, but by default, it might have seen that way. Because I never did it from that motive that I wanted to lead the kids. I just did it because if someone didn't, nothing would have been organized. We would have been staring at each other all day, and I had a time limit. I had to be in by dinner time, and I wanted to have fun. So by the time I got into junior high, I noticed that a lot of peers, a lot of the kids, would either be very quiet, or they'd be submissive, or they'd follow along with the crowd. When I got into junior high and high school, then I did run into others that were similar to me that wanted to take the lead or were a little more vocal. And then that gets a little sticky as to who's going to yield or is it worth it? To So by time in high school, I started to back down a little bit. And also I, I didn't want to do what a lot of the kids wanted to do certain types of parties and drinking and I'm like, nah, I was I I was a straight A student. I made good grades and and then I was an athlete. So I was playing sports and I wanted to focus on that. I I didn't want to be up late partying, not have the energy for the sports or being up late and not having the energy to do well on tests or get my homework done. So I started to back down in high school and I had different sets of friends, and most of my friends by the time I was in high school were at other high schools, not the one I was attending. But fast forward to my adult years and my different careers that I had, I noticed that there are very few who are mavericks, who are free thinkers, who do not succumb to peer pressure, who do not follow the crowd. There isn't that many. I look back, there wasn't that many in the 70s when I was in grade school, first parts of junior high. There was a handful in high school, different motives. I kind of went my separate ways, hung out with kids from other schools. And then an adult in the workforce and running my own company, there there weren't that many now with the past, it's coming up on three years, but we know the narrative. I don't want to give it any legitimacy. I don't want to use the, the, the typical words, but we know the last two and a half coming up on three years now, the global narrative where a large portion were panicked by media in certain alphabet agencies. There's certain behavior of worrying certain items in the facial area, following recommended experimental chemical procedures. I'll put it in those terms. And then the reaction between the masses following groupthink, following the peers, and then A few who dare to question or be cautious ask a lot of questions and want some verification before proceeding so in the last two and a half to to three years now what I use the term and I've realized that I didn't I didn't know what the term was I didn't know how to define it in the 70s the 80s and 90s conducting business in the 90s, 2000s. But the last three years, now I know what it is. It's NPCs, non-playable characters. Drones. Biological bots. So I really have clarity. And it's accelerated. It started in 2008, but it's really accelerated the last three years. And it's proven... Theories that I've had in doing a scientific method, being a research scientist, I look at social behavior, society in general, that includes neighbors, friends, and family, and I'm like, wow, there is a lot of NPCs. I wouldn't define them as fully human anymore. I used to. They might look human, look like we do, two arms, two legs. They'll eat a combo meal or a salad. They'll, they'll get this soda beverage like you will or the tea or coffee. And uh, they're at an intersection or they park next to you going into a grocery store or some retail establishment. Yeah, but they're, they're not human. Not the way I define human now and certainly not in the same category as I view myself. These are NPCs. They might look human and have a lot of physical characteristics, organs, and hair, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, so forth. But the main part of human, the consciousness, the personality, the spirituality is absolutely never there. It's never developed. I can guarantee you now, looking back, I I can hardly remember names. Some faces. But if I were to ever contact all the kids in the 70s and 80s and, and workmates of the 90s, 2000s, or employees that I had in those time periods, 90s and 2000s, I can guarantee that I saw all these as adults now and I met up with them. I know exactly where they stand and what they would have done the last two and a half years based on what was pushed globally with 100% accuracy. I can tell you what they've done. And I think you know what I'm referring to. So now I'm leaning towards the question, it's, there's very few like me. If you're like me listening to this podcast, then you know there's very few like you. And it's getting worse. As time goes on, there will be less and less like you and me. So to me, that brings some stresses and anxieties because I'm realizing just how many billions, with a B, how many billions are NPCs. They're not really human. I think to a large extent, we all potentially had that opportunity from birth and the majority have not exercised it. They suffer from arrested development. They're chasing plastic and leather. They're not spiritual. They haven't consciously evolved. They don't have deep wisdom and knowledge. They're constantly changing their sunglasses and the type of jeans that they wear. So they're going one direction and they're being led by the technocracy those that manipulate society and we know the different categories i don't know i don't care to know there's no need to know like specific families or names or who cares it, it, you can probably list some but there's so many that you, we don't know and the the ones at the highest tier one you never see in public they're very elusive we, we might be familiar with Second third tier but not first tier as we become more of a more a minority I don't know if the system engineers those at the top will try to hunt us down identify us because We're a threat to the system they want all NPCs if they're not killing them off and a person who is really human and is advanced as much spiritually as physically, that's a threat to their ideology, their world system order that they're trying to obtain. That wouldn't surprise me if they want to identify and just get rid of people like you and me. The second question I have is since we're such an extreme minority and everyone else seems to fall in an NPC category, what's going on? I mean, is this this holographic existence, what we call life, is this one big simulation? Is it a very advanced, complicated video game where it's somewhat rigged? But it's rigged in an aspect to see how the few, like you and me, how we behave and how we react. And it's being observed. Notes are being taken. It's being recorded in a massive, more than galactic library. And everyone in, in the background is filler to create an illusion of a global experience of a massive human society species, but not everyone's equal and everyone plays certain roles. And it's really designed and it focuses in on you, watching you. And then there's a separate series that focuses on me and watches me. And we thought that all of us are in the same, have the same stresses or the same human species, and we're not. It really gets bizarre if you do a deep dive and think about how reality works. And, you know, what's weird is if you're describing, giving deep thought about immediate family members, like is it possible that your mother and father, my mother and father, could be in the categories of NPCs, but you're not. And then you're like, well, how's that possible? If I came from my mother and father, how come I'm more developed spiritually and really fit the definition of human and my parents were NPCs, but they they played a vital role in giving birth to a non-NPC or or my siblings would be defined as NPC. How come I'm the only one out of four kids, I'm the only one out of three or six kids that sees and is advanced spiritually. And all my other siblings are NPC, chasing plastic and leather. They're the ones changing their sunglasses and blue jeans because it's not in vogue this year, but it was last year. And then you're like, how'd that happen? Out of five kids, I'm the only one. That also gets bizarre. Or you have children. And let's say in this illustration, you and your husband, or... You and your wife are, you'd be classified as human. You see all this. You're spiritual. You're kind of in tune. The two of you are in tune. You see the same things. You're not going along with the program. But your children, who could be 16, 17, 18, or in their 20s, early 30s, and your children are NPCs. But as parents, you're not. You're like, how's that happen? There, there's, <laughs> there's some strange concepts. What's going, on. and it's it's getting more strange each year. To where my mind is racing, thousands and thousands of miles per hour, trying to make sense of all this and what's going to happen to us. Who have grown spiritually and continue to grow, how do we negotiate and navigate this giant video game with the vector, the trajectory that we're on now, and everyone else, the majority that we're in contact with is a completely opposite direction. How how does that work? I think it was kind of cloaked, let's say in this. 70s, 80s, 90s, where the spiritually advanced could co-mingle and function with the NPC. But I think it's impossible now, and it certainly will six months, a year, year and a half, two years from now. There's no way. There's no way the, the spiritually advanced, what I would call the real human, will be able to associate and function with An NPC, whether it's a workmate, family member, neighbor, friend. It's impossible. The chasm is getting wider every week, every two weeks. So something has to come to a head. There's no way this is going to continue another two years, these dynamics. Nope, there's no way. Well, I'll leave it at that. I've been rambling. It's 30, coming up on 32 Minutes, episode 16. Ethereal, underground. I like doing these episodes. I'm in my studio. I've got the microphone. I told a few that this is like a digital diary for me in a way. I never had a diary, wrote things down. But this is archived. If if my kids ever want to when they get older, they can listen to these and find out what their dad was thinking. You know, right now they're busy expanding in the journey of their lives so you know how kids basically hit that I don't know say 15 16 to 29 30 where they are busy and don't have much time or interaction with parents I, I was that way and then as I get to my 30s then I w- wanted to see my parents more get their view and I enjoy you know having a dinner with them but I think I don't even know if I'll be around by the time my kids are in their 30s. But if I'm gone, they can maybe go back and archive the videos, podcasts, such as this, and realize what was I thinking at this time period. That'd be neat if my the technology existed where I could listen to my dad, for example. My mom's still around, but my dad, if he had videos or recordings and I could listen to his observations in the 60s and 70s and 80s and uh, compare that to how I think. That would be a nice tool to have, but it's, it's not available to me. All right, I'll leave it there. The series with the Outer Limits, on Rogue News TV, Twitch is doing well. It'll be interesting. Episode seven and eight, I really hit hard because I focus on the spiritual aspect of why we're here and how many how many get it and how many don't, and what's the plan for those that do get it. And I, I think those will have limited viewership because there's limited real humans left. Next episode, I'm already, I might mention briefly, I call it the, the Jay Leno syndrome. I talked about that on Discord. The Jay Leno syndrome that the majority probably identify with. I don't, but the majority do. And uh, I refuse to do that. So this is always going to be a very limited audience. And then other people say, remember, it's quality over quantity. I hear that a lot. I don't argue with it because it's, it's a true statement. Well, until next time, I recommend try to get away as much as you can from the high-tech world. Get out in nature. Get grounded. If you can be barefoot in the grass or swimming in natural waterways, bicycling, walking your pets, mountain climbing, camping, whatever it might be, sun gazing, early in the morning to sunrise, or looking at a beautiful sunset with no media around, and getting away from Wi-Fi, and computers and fluorescent lights or LED lights. The more you can do that, the better. If you can do a little bit every day, that's what I would recommend. If you can do it two days a week, but you got to do it. That should be high priority. Get away from the white noise because it's so destructive to the DNA, to the cells, to your soul, spirit and in, in, in general. Take care.